0: Welcome to part two of the brisket roundtable discussion. This is going to pick up where part one left off. We're going to finish off with the pre-cooking techniques and then get into the cook and the post-cook. But before we do, I want to mention my good folks at the Barbecue Guru. If you're looking for a pit temperature control device, a knockdown smoker, or a three-bay caterer, go ahead and give them a look up on the internet at www.thebbqguru.com. That's www.thebbqguru.com. You can also call them at 1-800-288-GURU, 1-800-288-GURU. And now, here's part 2 of the brisket roundtable coming down in three, two, one. Are there any other pre-cooked steps that you guys take prior to putting the briskets on the cooker? And we'll start with Ray Lampy.
1: No, I, re- I really don't. I I trim it very little. I put I inject it. I wipe the injection off, and I put the rub on. Leanne Whippin,
2: Same with me. That Pretty much just rub it, don't inject it. we Will do in the future, and uh, that's about it.
3: Fast Eddie? The aging thing I'm just a huge believer in, on purchasing it out in advance, knowing those packing dates, trying to get as close, you know, into that mark. You know, I may be between 35 and 46 days or so. I, that's one of the things I did. You know, back in 2000 uh, was aging beef and being very, very picky about the age on it. And I still am doing this other stuff, too. And I think that really makes a difference in in the flavor, uh, also how it breaks down as it cooks uh... those natural enzymes working for you uh... you still you still can't get around and so uh... as far as one of the things i'm still a super big believer in is the aging process of beef and what i'm talking about aging is wet aging where i buy it it stays in the cryovac bag and i have a refrigerator strictly uh... pretty much for my barbecue uh... cooking only so it's not open and closed all the time it keeps a very consistent temperature rate right? it's down around thirty five thirty six degrees yeah, the aging thing on brisket is—I'm just huge on it. I'll—I'll carry if I'm flying to an event, I'll take my brisket with me, uh, so I can make sure I got—I got exactly what I want.
0: This is kind of an interesting point. Is anybody else as meticulous as Eddie when it comes to the age of beef?
4: With the uh, with the wholesaler that I'm using, um, that's getting us our product, it, I'm actually able to do it at his location, and um, they know what we're doing. Um, We've kind of gone into a partnership with them. We we actually uh, cook meat for them for for customers. Um, so he will actually save out cases for us so that we could as we go through the season we can pull what we need. Normally forty five fifty days is about where I'm at.
1: Right. Yeah, I try to be. I mean, I really believe in that, and I picked that up from Eddie big time. But unfortunately, I live on the road all summer, and sometimes I just have to buy briskets when and where I can. If I have the opportunity, yes, I like to get them, and I like those certified Angus as well. And I like to age them from forty to fifty days, if at all possible. Leanne,
2: I agree, and and I fortunately have the luxury of being able to do it with a walk-in. You know, at the at the restaurant, I'm also a believer in. You know, I like IBPs, and um, tried a lot of other ones, but they've done very well for me. You guys are laughing, aren't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not at all. The IBP what can stuff I say? Comes from a lot of, IBP stuff comes from a lot of different places a lot. Of I know, plants. but I'm
2: telling you every time well, I also when I pick up a brisket, when I'm picking out the ones I want to use, I like to hold it like with one hand in the middle, and if it kind of flops down on either side of my hand, I'm more apt to pick that than one that's just going to you know just sit there straight out..
3: Well, I'm laughing I, you at know. that too. Yeah. Could you say, I, could you say that again?
2: <laughs> it's only slower. I do that. One. I'm
3: not. I'm not laughing about limp meat. I can. I can. I can go <laughs>
4: along with that. <laughs> I, <almost laughs> I do sound understand. meat.
3: Well, I can understand. I mean, I'm, I'm serious. We're going to get along. You're right. Fine. <laughs> you're, you're, you're exactly. I think you. I think you're pretty much right on, Leanne. And one thing about like IBPs, mm-hmm. when you start talking about branding, it's it has a lot to do with how they cut it. And yeah. you know, you know I mean yeah when I had my little restaurant running that I was real big on I was cooking flats mainly but we were cooking uh, what they call from Colorado Premium was a company that I was getting them from and they were always cut a lot leaner than what not you know than what you're talking about IBPs always had a lot heavier fat on them which I didn't want for what I was doing at that operation but you're exactly right the the company brand on it and how they cut it is different from company to company. I'll agree. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we get attached to certain brands, too. You know, you you get a little winning streak using whatever it may be, and, you know, it's sort of your lucky brand because, you know, let's face it, a lot of the animals, especially in the hogs, are are just, you know, they're just so similar anymore. They might as well be cloning them. Now, I also am a big fan of using left-handed briskets only. (laughs) Okay, I'm lying about that, too. (laughs) Are any, do any of you guys do that? No.
3: I'm a switch hitter. I
1: put I put a lot of mustard on my brisket too. <laughs> All right. So now we'll uh, we'll move
0: into the cooking segment here. Uh, what kind of wood do you use for your smoke flavor? And we'll start with Leanne.
2: I use about three quarter hickory and quarter apple, and I'll throw in a couple pecan just just a little bit.
0: Fast
3: Eddie. Hickory and oak all the way.
0: Jim Minion?
4: Uh, Being from out here, I don't have a lot of oak or hickory or pecan available, so it's mainly fruitwoods, apple, cherry. Every once in a while we can get into some decent oak or maybe get some hickory in, but usually by the time we get hickory, it's not worth using.
1: Ray Lampy. Two parts cherry to one part hickory, almost done everything almost all the time. No that's true. I'm not lying about that. At which
3: part do you put on at what time, Ray? Two
0: parts I like mix it all together. Like you're mixing a drink. <laughs>
3: well, it depends I on how he mixed together. his drink how he's going to mix this wood. Right. <laughs> a, little, a little gray water doesn't hurt anything either. <laughs>
4: oh. <laughs> It's nice you to have friends.
1: He <laughs> uh, had to be there in when nice. I just let my gray water run on the ground, and we were just standing in it the whole And he was making fun of me. What temp do you keep your pit at
0: uh, while you're cooking briskets? And we'll start with Jim Minion.
4: We've been starting them out. If we're cooking on the close, we're starting them out in the upright, actually. So they're, they're going in. 190, and they're staying there for three to four hours, and then we're taking them into the main chamber, which is normally running somewhere in that two and a quarter range, not much higher than that.
0: Fast Eddie?
3: I cook at 180 for eight hours, and then I switch and go to 250 uh, to finish.
1: Ray? 225 for probably the first 10 hours, and then I'll raise it up pretty good after that to probably 275. Leanne?
2: I start them for, I don't know, about two ten two fifteen 215 for about the first seven hours, and then I'll go to 225, maybe 230. I don't go any higher than that.
0: This is always a uh, big question that's debated on the uh, Internet barbecue forums by all the experts. <coughs> uh, do you cook your briskets fat side up or fat side down? And we'll start with Leanne.
2: Oh, I have, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you something. In the restaurant, I don't trim my briskets in the restaurant because, as we talked about, the IBPs that I use, they have a huge fat cap and it would take me forever. And I've done runs, you know, with trimming it, with not without trimming it, and it comes out exactly the same. The fat, you know, basically just falls right off of it. I definitely am a believer in cooking it fat-side up, and I've cooked them, you know, in the old hickory, fat-side down, and they just do not taste as moist. They, I've cut into them, and whereas all the juice will... You know, come out of it when it's fat side up. It doesn't the other way, and it looks ugly the other way too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Ray
1: Lampy <laughs> and and a green egg. I cook them fat side down all the way, um, and the, actually on the Eddy I do as well. Depends on your cooker, but but I'm a fan of cooking them fat side down. Some cookers it just doesn't work, or some cookers it's best half and half. But I, I prefer to cook them fat side down. Jim Minion?
4: Uh, I cook them fat side down on all of the cookers. The science says that having fat up isn't going to make it any juicier because that fat can't pass through the brisket. So I want to use it where I'm going to get the biggest heat blast. And with the tuning plates on the offset or with the heat source below and all the rest of the cookers, uh, I just don't have any good reason to cook a fat side up.
2: I will say that the jet, I've done it both ways, and it it it's probably right to do it fat side down on the jet, but on my old hickory for sure I got to do it fat side up.
4: Is that a rotisserie unit? Yes. Well, uh, that that changes <clears throat> things too.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, the
2: reason why
3: you're cooking fat side up probably on the old hickory more than anything is because the way when it's coming around there're dripping on top of each other and you got such a load in on top of it. Uh, it is going to look a whole lot different with those other fats that are laying on top of the part that's not, you know that you're you're really wanting to look good that doesn't have any fat cover. So it it, it is going to change a lot. On uh, the FEC 100, I'll cook fat side down because the heat comes from the bottom. And I think anytime you've got a cooker where the heat's coming up from the bottom, you'd probably want to do that. Uh, on the 500 or the 750 that has uh, a lot of convection air moving in it, and it's a rotisserie, um, I can cook fat side up, and uh, it doesn't make any difference.
0: At any point during the cook, do you guys uh, spray or mop your brisket? And we'll start with Jim Minion.
4: No, not really. Don't open the pit very often, and uh, there's not just don't do it. The end whipping?
2: Uh, yes, I do, actually. I um, I put the brisket in with the dry rub for about, I don't know, about five hours, and then I put a mustard mop on it, let it go another three hours, and then I have another mop that I use after that. So I'm hitting it. I don't open the cooker a lot, but I'm hitting it with two different mops two different times.
0: Ray
1: Lampy? No, never.
2: Fast Eddie? <laughs> I've got this Miracle Whip.
3: Um, <laughs> I
1: was wondering if you were going to tell him that way.
3: Uh, I, uh, what do we call it? Slather. I got this Miracle Whip slather that I use uh, on mine as I mop with as it's cooking.
0: Can you can you be more specific about that? Or is that a trade secret? <laughs> <scene? laughs>
5: yeah, be more specific, Ed.
3: Oh, you got to take my cooking class to get that information. Lying. You,
5: you only do one a year.
3: <laughs> oh, they're on me. It looks like maybe April might have to have one. Possibly. They're calling. Um, no, I, that's a, that's kind of a running joke i I only thing I keep around is a spray bottle of water, and if I'm getting in the cooker uh, to look at anything, I might hit it with that, and I think it's more of a mental thing than anything.
0: At any point during the cook, do you guys foil
1: your brisket and we'll start with Dr. barbecue The only time I do is if during the cook is if I need to hurry it up i I try not to, but it, it would be only to get it going because if you wrap it, it'll it'll speed things up. I prefer not to. I do like to wrap it when it's done, put it in the ice chest and rest it for a long time. But I try not to wrap it while it's on the cooker. Leanne,
2: if mine's getting too dark for some reason, you know, towards the end, I'll wrap it. I'm like Ray; I'll wrap it, you know, when it's done and let it rest.
4: Jim Minion, no, the story's the same. It's only I only wrap it if if I need to hurry it time wise. And again, I I wrap at the end, goes into the dry cooler. Two to four hours, hopefully. Fast Eddie?
3: I'm different. I'm, I pretty well wrap uh, when it gets to about 170 is my target temp on the flat, uh, and I'll wrap it. And then on the points, uh, depending on how they're coming along, uh, sometimes I won't wrap them if they're if they're softening up real nice. And you know, if they're not, then I'll wrap, I'll I'll make that decision. Usually when they're at about 195. Uh, degrees. But see I'll take my points on up to uh normally about two ten is where I'll finally uh get them at. But uh yeah, I pretty much at one seventy it gets wrapped up.
0: What's your thought process behind doing that?
3: Uh helps break it down. Uh it re as I my target's to get it off about three, three and a half hours before turn in time. And as it's setting in the holding either a cooler or a cambro And it's set in its own natural broths and juices. It starts, I think, as it starts to rest and comes back down, you start pulling some of that back right into the uh, brisket, and it makes it more juicy by being able to do that.
0: What internal temperature do you take your briskets to? And we'll start with Leanne Whippin. About
2: 195. I don't go as high as 210. The flats just seem to dry out. When I wrap it and it sits there, it just seems like that's a good temperature for me anyway.
1: Ray Lampy, If I've had a good, long, slow cook where I didn't have to wrap it in foil, 190, and I, I will check it. I'm feeling it as well, but usually if I've had a good, long, slow cook, 190 will be good enough. I also like to rest them in foil for a long time, like I said, at least four hours and 6 is good for me so i will get some additional cooking from there and but it's also i mean it's cooking a piece of brisket is not like cooking a roast beef where there's a magic temperature if you've had a good slow long cook in the 160 to 180 t- zone and you will have that also in your resting time um you, it'll be tender if you can take it off at 190 if if i've had to wrap it and i'm i'm sort of rushing it i'll generally cook it a little bit hotter at that point cuz it won't have the resting time and i probably didn't have that good quality time in the breakdown zone for me so i am hoping if everything goes as well i'm taking it off at 190 fast study
3: i only use temperature as a reference uh, 170 is my target for wrapping like i talked about around 190 to 195 i'm um, when i'm probing it i'm i'm more taking the feel of how it's falling how it's the thermometer's falling in, and I'm checking the resistance. If the resistance is good at, at 190, I'll bring it off at that. Uh, if it's still feeling tight to me, I'm gonna keep on cooking. Uh, I have seen, you know, briskets go anywhere between that 190 to 205 range in uh, cooking on the flat. Now the point's a different story. Okay, the point at 190 is still gonna feel tough. At 200, it's still going to feel tough. And I've seen them at 205 still feel tough. And the way the collagen is and, and the point, uh, you just keep on cooking until that thing feels like butter. Uh, and it will finally get to feel like butter. And uh, I mean, it you'll know it because that thermometer will just fall into it. And uh, that's what I'm looking for on the points. I want that thermometer just to fall in there. On the flat, you know, to get the right texture for the slice, uh, it all has to do with resistance, and normally it's between 190 to 200, but you're going to have to do it by feel.
4: Jim Minion? Basically the same way. 190 is normal. Sometimes it's a little less. Sometimes it's more. It is about feel once you get there. I have in the past taken the points off at that point, wrap them, and then or wrap the the flats put them in the in the cooler and then put the the points back on uh and you would take those a little higher no that 190 is a good mark especially if you're going to put it in the cooler for two to four hours uh,
0: The next question is probably going to preclude eddie from answering due to the fact that he's already separated his point and flat uh, at this particular time but if you haven't and you're cooking a whole packer do you separate your point and flat at this point point? and we'll start with leanne
2: no, I don't. I keep it together, but I, I like the idea of trying that. It, it makes sense because, you know, it really does need to cook a little bit longer, so I think it's got some merit to it for sure.
0: I, I was the one that thought about that too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Dr.
1: Barbecue? I definitely won't separate them, but see, cooking flat side down, particularly on the egg and, and on the pellet cooker as well. Sometimes the point is actually cooked more than it's cooked before done before the flat is, because it's absorbing a lot of direct heat. It, you know, if I I certainly wouldn't separate it and put it back on. I, you know, there'd be no point to doing that. So no, I I definitely would not. I mean, if I was going to separate it, I would separate it and take it off before the flat was done. But I wouldn't do that either. So no,
4: Minion? It depends on the piece of meat and how it feels. If I've got say i'm cooking four briskets i got the flats where i want i'll probably leave three of them whole i might take one and take it off and play with that and give me something else to choose from as far as the turn in comes from what i'm going to take off the points but in most cases they're left whole do any of you make
0: uh, burnt ends with the point point? and we'll start obviously with fast eddie because he is
3: oh absolutely i like about a three-quarter inch cut uh, cube, I guess. I'll cut it lengthways with the grain, and then I'll cube it across. I'm using my fingers and squeezing on it, and then of course I'm I'm tasting in different parts because that that point is not the same all the way through. I mean, you're going to find usually two inches or maybe three inches of a strip in there that's really going to be right where you want it, and I'm also wanting bark all the way around it. I'm um, looking at the thickness of it. I, I probably take more great pains in my burn ends than I do my uh, sliced beef. But there's nothing like a, a burn end that's done very well. It's just full of full of flavor and explodes in your mouth basically when when you go to try it if it's done right.
0: Do you have a a general time frame on how long it'll take you to make burn ends after you've taken the flat off to rest?
3: Usually the points are going to run about anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours longer depending on the thickness of them and and you know if if I'm cooking two or three briskets it neither none of them ever come off at the same time you're constantly probing them things and and feeling them to see when they get to the point you want them they are the biggest pain in the rear to get to how you how I like to get them than anything else I cook.
0: Leanne do you make burn ends?
2: Yes, I do. Um, not all the time. It, it depends on how, you know, the contest is going, how my time is going, and if if I've got enough time to swing it. Um, but I am like Fast Eddie in that I'm extremely selective, and I just basically, you know, cut and pick through and am very, very selective on, on what I'm going to turn in. And if I'm not, you know, 100% happy with it, it's not going in.
4: Jim Minion. Um, yes, I do make Burnt Ends. Um... And the procedure is basically just like Eddie and Leanne talked about. You have to be very selective. Um, if you're not being anal about this during a competition, you're losing points. So taking it over the top is what it's about.
1: Ray Lampy? Yes, I do too. I like I said, I, the way I cook them, fat side down on the egg. The point is generally done. Sometimes I have a problem with the point being too done, and when I go to make burn ends, I end up with sort of chopped brisket. I usually turn it in anyway. I worry sometimes, though, that they score, my, score me down because some of these judges have that, you know, that they want to hold us to a standard that... They're not really familiar with and they wouldn't understand that what i just did was still pretty good eating they would not you know they think that i was trying to make the perfect little cubes when really i wasn't i was trying to make perfect flat and that's just a byproduct of it uh... however they're going to score you on the worst thing that's in the box so you got to be careful like these guys have said and sometimes i i think that i probably shouldn't have put it in because mine are overcooked as opposed to undercooked but i generally put it in there i like to put a big fat better of it underneath Keeps everything hot, keeps everything juicy. Um, so, yes. Does
0: anybody turn in uh, chopped point versus burn ends? And uh, we'll start with Jim Minion.
4: No, no. Chopping meat, um, I can tell you by the way that judges are taught, is just a really bad idea.
1: Ray Lampy? Well, yeah, sometimes by accident. Not, or not by accident, but by default, because I want to put some of the burnt ends in, and sometimes they're just a little overcooked. Leanne?
2: No, I definitely don't.
1: And fast, Eddie.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm with Jim. Chopping's a bad, bad idea.
1: <laughs> Shut up.
3: <laughs> uh. Also standing in gray water.
1: we
0: will go into the post-cook. Uh, after taking your brisket off the cooker, can you explain your uh, particular holding process and anything else that might contribute to a uh, successful uh, end part of the brisket cook? And we'll start with Leanne.
2: It depends on, you know, what time? I'm gonna pull the brisket when I think it's time for it to come off. I'm not gonna base it on time per se. It's when it's ready. I'm kind of like fast Eddie with a thermometer. If it goes in like it's you know it's butter, then I know it's ready to you know wrap and, and just sit in my cambro and and I don't bother it. I just let it sit there. If it's gonna sit there for two hours, four hours, it doesn't matter. I just let I leave it alone.
0: Fast Eddie.
3: Uh, most of the time, I'm carrying a Cambro or a knockoff of a Cambro. It's foiled up and goes in there. And like I said, it's most generally my target time to try to get my brisket off is usually about 9 a.m. in the morning for a 1:30 turn-in. I go to get it out of the Cambro right after my pork turn-in goes in. That's when my brisket comes out and starts cooling down.
1: Ray Lampy. I, I lay out a big, giant double piece of foil when the brisket gets done. I put about a half a cup of some secret liquid on there, and I lay it fat. I switch it over then to fat side up so that the meat is laying uh, down. It will be laying down in the juice, and I wrap it up and put it in the cambro for. If I get under four hours, I'm getting nervous. If it's four to six, I'm real happy. And I also just take
4: it out right before I'm going to
1: carve it. Jim Minion?
4: Wrap it in foil, some... Um probably some beef broth or some concoction similar. At least two hours, hopefully four, a little longer would be okay. Um, And they just sit, they also go in fat side up at that point into the cooler.
0: When you're going to serve your brisket, uh, obviously competition is different than when you're serving it to friends and family. So uh, maybe you can answer both sides of the question. Uh, How do you serve your brisket? Do you sauce it? Uh, If you're doing it for neighbors and friends, do you put bread on it or uh, rolls or whatever, and uh, we'll start with Leanne.
2: Basically what I do is um, right before turning, I'm going to take the flat side and I'm going to slice it into uniform slices that kind of overlap and put it on top of burnt ends. What I like to do is take the rendered juice and do about a 50-50 with, um, I have a light tomato-based type sauce that I mix with the juices and very lightly hit it and, you know, it adds some shine, it keeps some moisture in there. I don't like to over-sauce my brisket. I like them to be able to see the smoke ring kind of come through that light sauce and not over-garnish.
0: Jim Minion?
4: Basically, it's going, there's going to be a, more of a broth type sauce to it if it's it's Kobe's or Wagyu or a prime a prime, a prime brisket. If it's a um, cab, or a choice brisket, I will use a light sauce for similar to what Leanne's talking about.
1: Dr. Barbecue? Yeah,
4: trim off all the fat, slice
1: it, and I will brush it with a combination of uh, a thinned-out barbecue sauce. And if the beef, if the juice out of the bag or out of the foil isn't too greasy, if I'm able to get most of the grease run off of it, I'll mix that in with a little bit of sauce and just brush it lightly, just to kind of keep it moist and a little bit shiny. Otherwise, it starts to look dry right away. So, I mean, I'd rather not sauce it, but I just find that for appearance sake and for holding sake, you need to brush it a little lightly with something. Fast Eddie?
3: Here's where I think uh, finishing up and cooking in the foil makes a difference because the, the seasoning that I've got on the brisket is down in all that juice. And I try to get as much fat off of it as I can, but I'll take that and put it in a cup and maybe oh gosh a teaspoon or maybe two teaspoons in about a quarter of a cup or you know a third of a cup of that broth I'll have of uh, uh, tomato based barbecue sauce I mean it's just a slight slight hint and I'll mix that together and then I brush the back side of every slice I cut so it's on the back side as it goes in the box I have a natural cut that's being seen by the judge so all my and of course i'm getting that add the seasonings that, that are down in that juice too, uh add it back on the back slice uh back of the slice and i think that 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 extra finish makes all the difference in the world
0: kind of a summary question a lot of the discussion on barbecue forms of the brisket is a pretty tough cut of meat to cook consistently well on a regular basis do you guys find that to be true or is that more of a another internet myth and we'll start with dr barbecue
1: I find that uh, fab is kind of the great equalizer for me in this stuff. I used to find that pretty regularly, that briskets were different and would cook differently and feel different and taste different. The fab is kind of the equalizer there. One may take a lot longer to cook because of the, the overpowering taste of the fab and the ability of the phosphates to keep it from getting dry, I find them to be pretty equal. I'll actually even cook just one brisket sometimes. If You can't find two good ones or if I'm short on cooker space. I mean, you know, when I'm traveling, sometimes it's not as convenient. So I, I, I agree that briskets are very different, but I, the fab is an equalizer for me. Now, I still try to cook two almost all the time. Because you will get a weird one occasionally, and you also get a, every time sometimes you open a package and there's a big gash in one that you didn't know about or it's got a weird shape or a weird grain or something. Um, so I guess the answer is yes, There's still always a, a wild card. But, but again, the fab is a great equalizer.
0: Jim Minion?
4: I find that, you know, briskets, if you know how to cook them, if you know what to look for, some take longer than others, uh, and as you get more proficient at it, you learn how to work them. You, you learn to use foil to your advantage if you want, and it becomes less and less difficult to cook them. I think it has more to do with uh, just cooking for a lot of time, and cooking lots and lots of brisket. Um, I don't necessarily find them harder. A matter of fact, sometimes I think pork butt's tougher to cook to get the flavor that you're looking for out of them. Brisket, it's just all about technique and, and understanding how they break down and what they do and working it. Fast Eddie?
3: I think reason why... You know you see that on the internet about brisket being so so mythical mystery meat and hard to do is because experience does play greatly into it and just like we talked tonight a lot of the little things from you know how how you got to be how anal about purchasing and aging and, and the process you go through to really make that a good piece of meat uh, newbies don't understand because uh, they ain't been around enough and and not a lot of people don't know what a first-place brisket really is on a regular basis, so uh, I think that's why it is so mythical. And to me, I think it's it's there's a lot more to brisket than it is, you know, going to buy a rack of ribs and cooking some ribs. I think you know, ribs are ribs, pretty much, in my book. And and you know, chickens a little bit. There's there's not a whole lot of difference in chicken uh... whether it's a you know a fresh chicken or whether it's a you know got an injected chicken that you buy at the store to me brisket has a lot to do with a whole lot of different variables that you're trying to control to get the same product at the end every time and it's probably it is probably the most difficult in 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 that realm but the good guys who know how to follow all that stuff all the time always keep rising to the top and you'll you'll watch them walk up there in the top five on a consistent basis
0: leanne Whippin.
2: when i first got into barbecue i hated brisket i didn't like to eat it i didn't like to cook it It took me a good three or four years of banging my head against the wall to get it straight. And I finally feel like I have a handle on, you know, just dealing with, you know, the piece of meat itself and just making sure that, you know, it's got the right tenderness, the right temperature – and um, it's, it, I think it's a lot more difficult to cook because it has a shorter window of time, whereas, you know, if you're cooking chicken thighs, they're more forgiving. I even think pork butts are, too. So I think you find more disasters in the beef brisket world because of, of that window. I, and I also hear a lot of these new cookers out there, you know, they'll get into the barbecue. Oh, I can cook chicken, ribs, and pork but I don't know how to cook a brisket. I don't even know, you know, what to buy. And, you know, so that's the last piece of meat that they're really focusing on. It's almost like they, you know, they're, they're cooking their favorite pieces and trying to better those and ignoring the you know, brisket when you've got to be consistent in every cut. I just don't think it's as, as forgiving as the other meats out there.
1: Well, I think the other thing is, you know, brisket, a bad bad slab of ribs is still pretty good a chicken how bad can you screw it up unless it's raw and even pork that's undercooked or a little overcooked is still pretty darn good a bad brisket is pretty inedible
2: yeah it's like shoe leather pot roast it, it, it can be really awful
1: and, but that's also why these guys don't want to cook them because you got to stay <laughs> up all night and and cook them. Meanwhile, they ought to be practicing the one they're not good at. But that's right. It's a lot. E- it's a lot easier to cook ribs and chicken, and everybody tells you how. Well,
2: good. you know, you got to think about. You know, there's cost involved here too. You're buying a, you know, a 13, 15 pound brisket. You can't sit there and practice every day in your backyard like you can with a chicken. So, you yeah. know, you got to look at that point too. Oh, you can if you got the right pit. <laughs> <laughs>
4: What would that be, Eddie? Anything in particular?
3: I could I could he- help some of those individuals out.
1: Well, I think a lot of these guys that are giving brisket advice on the internet have never actually cooked one. <laughs> because the stuff what, they say is just not that, just not I'm, true. I'm going to
3: tell you, I'm going to tell you what. If if they listen to this, this ought to help a lot of people a whole hell of a lot because there's a hell of a lot of information that was given out here tonight that these people should pay damn good close attention to.
4: <laughs> the other the other side of it is is brisket I think has more barbecue lore involved with it where you looked at something and said, Well that makes sense and it was the science was all bad and so you look at all these old rules that you, you do definitely do this and you definitely do that and what you find out is is that by changing your techniques you can you can reproduce that good brisket over and over and over again much easier than cooking the old traditional have to be fat side up and it has to be this and it mm-hmm. has to be that where the science was bad.
1: Well, Eddie's from Kansas City, and, and Jim and I are both guys that really get a lot more into the science of it. And, well, Eddie does now, too. But, you know, in Kansas City, they just cook a lot of brisket. Where cooking a pork bite, you don't really have to quite understand what's going on with it. With a brisket, it's way to your advantage to understand how it works. Like I was talking before about it's not just about the ultimate temperature, like cooking a a steak or a beef roast. Um, a brisket is a whole different an animal. You want to get it to the – there's an old book called Secrets by a guy named Charlie Note. Um, I actually don't have a copy. I gave mine away, but I imagine Eddie's got a copy. We knew this guy, Charlie. Um, I told you about him, Greg. Yeah, the, the,
0: the Smoke Masters uh, Culinary Institute of
1: College yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the dead, uh, he's the the dead guy riding. from the <laughs> – they're right. Well, he wrote the book, and he's the dead correspondence course guy. Um, and, but Charlie, Charlie wrote this book, and it explained about the theory of how a brisket breaks down, that at 160 degrees, the meat begins to tenderize. And at 180, it begins to substantially get dry and have drip loss. But So if you could keep it in between those two numbers, it was going to break down eventually. And that, that was what it was really about. Holding it in that zone Aww. is what will break it down. At least you're supposed to pretend like you knew that. And, <laughs> and that's how it will break down. Uh, it's not about getting it up to medium rare state, take it off and eat it. It's just a whole different process for cooking, you know, as opposed to cooking any other kind of beef, with the exception, I guess, of braising, but um, brisket is, to, to, you know, to be. You don't have to know all this to be a good brisket cook, but if you know it all, you'll be you'll be a better brisket cook. There's a lot of guys that don't know it that are still good brisket cooks, but it, so you start thinking about that. You start thinking about the the holding temperature and how this, you know, the holding of the stuff wrapped in a in the hot box or you know a camera or a cooler. Um, there's a lot of guys that don't quite understand what that's all about. They know it works, but they don't understand what it's all about. So if you learn all that. It makes you a better brisket cook because you kind of understand what's supposed to be happening. Where if you think it's like cooking a beef, a, a beef roast that you get it to 137 degrees and it's going to just be perfect, it just doesn't work like that. So you learn, you know, you learn to feel it and pay attention to it and touch it, and um, you know, or you can just hang it and use the the auto method for knowing when it's done.
4: One of the things that if you take a look at, you were talking about, Ray was talking about earlier that uh, the 160 degrees and watch it, watch the temperature, if you actually put a gauge on it, you can actually watch the connective tissue break down, release its moisture, it will actually cool the, the brisket down by a degree or two during that process. That's why it goes into the stall. So if you realize that that's happening and you can manipulate that, you can have a brisket done at 185 degrees
0: so uh, I think we're going to be putting a wrap here on the brisket show. A lot of great information uh, shared by uh, probably four of the top cooks here on the circuit today. Uh, but before we go, I'd like to ask anybody if they have any parting shots. So we'll start with Jim Minion.
4: Well, I'm not going to make the same one I did last time. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's a pre- pleasure talking to these guys. Um, oh, and, I think and you just Lee did had... one backhandedly.
2: Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: I, 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 you know, to be in the same crowd with these guys, is um, okay. it's it's a, a pleasure, and and I really appreciate having the chance to talk to them. The fact that I get to go and cook with Ray once in a while and fast that he's there. Uh, Leanne, I know we're going to become friends. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward Absolutely. to seeing you in person. Fast Eddie.
3: Uh, all I can say is that I appreciate the invite to come on here, and you're doing a great service for all these people out here in barbecue to spend a little time here, and you know to think that some of us get hundreds of dollars for them to come and and for us to teach them in a class. They ought to be overjoyed to get a chance to listen to this.
1: Ray Lampy. Well, if they really want to get some good additional information, you might want to check out Barbecue Road Trip. It'll be out in June from St. Martin's Press. Great. Leigh Ann Whippen?
2: Oh, it's great talking to you guys. It's been a while. Um, it's always fun. Since you guys had your plugs, I'm going to put my little plug in for the Smithfield Slam and Barbecue Virginia State Championship, which is KCBS, April 27, 28, and you can get the information out of the bullsheet or the National Barbecue News, and uh, $30,000 in prize money.
0: Well, big thank you to the panel for joining me this evening. That was a very successful show, and there was a lot of information and techniques that were shared there. Before we go, I just want to Mentioned some spots and promotions that the panel members wanted me to get out there to everybody. Ray Lampy would like to promote Big Green Egg cookers. You can find them on the web at www.biggreenegg.com. You can also read Ray in the Ask Dr. Barbecue column located on the Fiery Foods website, which is www.fiery-foods.com, and then click on the Ask Dr. Barbecue link on the homepage. Be sure to look for Ray's third book titled Barbecue Road Trip. Which will be available this June 12, 2007. Be sure to check out his other two books, which are already on the shelf, for great barbecue information. You can get all your Dr. Barbecue info at www.drbbq.com. That's www.drbarbecue.com. Leanne Whippin is promoting Smithsfield Slam and Barbecue Virginia State Barbecue Cookoff and Festival, which will be held April 27th, 28th, 2007. It will be $30,000 in prize money, and there is also a 50 team cap. So get your application in soon. Check out the website at www.slamminbbq.com. You can also email Donna at donna at sinclairstations.com. Sinclair Stations is spelled S-I-N-C-L-A-I-R-S-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. Or you can call 757-222-2908. This is a KCBS sanctioned event. Fast Eddie wants to promote the FEC line cookers from cook shack check out his brand of pellet smokers at www.fasteddiesbbq.com to get all the details finally jim minion would like to promote the best barbecue form on the internet barbecue central which can be found at www.thebbqcentral.com stay tuned for the barbecue guru spot backside jones the barbecue roundtable this is your host greg remping saying so long everybody
5: The future of barbecue is already here at thebarbecuguru.com. From the amazing guru that monitors and controls the temperatures of any charcoal, wood, or electric pit to the Caldera Tallboy Knockdown Smoker. Yes, it breaks down and stores flat, yet it's still a robust, sturdy, portable cooker and smokehouse. It also serves as an efficient, temperature-controlled convection oven using wood or charcoal. The Tall Boy is designed to fit all catering pans and can be used as a warming oven. You can cook in any style you choose. Make ribs, chicken, jerky, vegetables, smoked cheese, whatever you want. Take it to KCBS competitions and unload it from the truck of your car. The BBQGuru.com is where you'll find the Caldera 3-Bay Caterer. It's stainless steel and uses charcoal or sterno for chafing purposes. And it doubles as a three-bay sink or wash station with hot water and knocks down in seconds with no tools required for transportation and storage. The future of barbecue is here at TheBarbecueGuru.com. That's com. or call 1-800-288-GURU.